What's up, everybody? Welcome to The 180 with Eric Lockley. I'm your host, Eric Lockley. There are moments in life that define us, that lead us to a crossroads where we have to choose one path or a completely different one altogether. Join me as we dive into our guest turning points. Let's laugh, heal, and be inspired together as we pull back the curtain on how our guest made the 180. Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah. Yeah. Someone used their soprano. Someone said, I'm going to use this soprano. <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> yes. Good for them. That was me on the vocals, in fact. Is that you? Yeah, it is. It is. Are you here with me? I'm here with it. Come through. Come through, choir. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's, a, it's a fun song. It's catchy. People seem to enjoy it. So. <laughs> it is. Thank you. Well, you hear her already. We have got Candace Fortman here with us today. Woo! I'm thrilled. I'm going to tell you a little something about Candace. Candace Fortman is a self-proclaimed lover of Detroit and lover of all things media. Over the course of her career, Candace has developed an extensive background in radio and journalism and now makes it her goal to diversify newsrooms and journalistic spaces by helping them reach beyond the traditional news audience. Candace sits on the board for two journalistic organizations, Cityside and Open News, and is also currently serving as a John S. Knight Community Impact Fellow at Stanford University. Hoping to make her city a better place in any way she can, she's also a board member for several Detroit community organizations. Formerly, Candace has served as the marketing and engagement manager for Detroit's NPR station and also founded her own boutique, social media and marketing company, Wendy's Girl Media. She now serves as the executive director for Detroit-based service journalism organization, Outlier Media. I'm so excited and thrilled to have Candace Fortman here with us today. Yeah, yeah. Yay. I'm so excited to be talking with you. Yeah. And um, so what's what are you in Detroit right now? I assume you are. Mm -hmm. I'm in Detroit. I'm in my home. Yes. Uh, where I have been for the last year. Yes. <laughs> for the last pandemic. <laughs> Will they please let me out, sir? <laughs> please. <laughs> Tired of these walls. Right. Uh, I know. I, I have truly spent more time in my living, in my shelter than, you know, I've ever have yeah i'm sick of like buying things from bed bath and beyond or from lowe's or from you know i can't spend another dime <laughs> inside a menards a lowe's a home depot and yet <laughs> i have home thousands depot. of more dollars to spend because i have been tearing my house up this whole time <laughs> just tearing it up <laughs> walls have come have opened and closed Really? Oh, I've been over here doing things. Yes, home improvement. Yeah. Yeah, when you're home all the time, it's like, well, I guess I got I guess I should paint. I guess that thing that I've been putting off for years, I should take care of. On many levels, on many levels, on many levels, many, many levels. Mhm. 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 A lot of improvements need to be made. <laughs> and we got time. We got time. Well, another thing we got time for is some games, so it's game time. It's game time on the 180. The name of the game is... What's going down in the trois? 
I'm very competitive. Let's do this. Okay. All right. Man, I wish I had... I'm going to, you can ask me questions because I, I have six questions. I actually have seven, but I feel like, you know, so if you want to ask me a question, who knows if what I know about Detroit, Lord. but these are questions <laughs> about Detroit as a lover of Detroit. How much do you love the D? Well, Oh okay. no, this is about to be so stressful. <laughs> if I fail this test, I will get kicked out. They will kick me out of this city. You're not going to get kicked out. I mean, some of them might be obvious. I don't know. I, you know, I just make the questions up and research the answers. So let's see. Let's see. I mean, all that's going to happen is you're going to hear a ding if you're correct or an awful sound if you're not, if you're wrong. All right. So many of us know that Big Sean is from Detroit and he reps the D all day, every day. Just how tall is Big Sean? 5'8"? Six four or six two. Oh, five eight. Wow, you knew that right away. How do you know how tall he is? Because I've been in a room with him. Wow. Okay, and you were like, "Oh, you ain't you ain't that tall." Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know when a man is six four. <laughs> well, you're you're correct. Wow, you you knew. <laughs> I'm impressed. Okay, you knew that right away. I was like, that might be my hardest question. How's he go she gonna know Oof. how tall? Okay. Okay, I got one right. <laughs> yes, one correct thus far. All right, Anita Baker's very best got her her highest charting hit. Off of which album <laughs> was giving you the best that I got? Rapture, Compositions, or giving you the best that I got? Okay. I mean, you don't, I might have made up names of the albums. There isn't a Giving You the Best That I've Got album. Compositions and Rapture are both album titles of Anita Baker's. I even know what they look like. Mm, yes. Composition, she's wearing this really beautiful dress and her. she's looking off to the side. Uh -huh. And I want to say it's Compositions, but it could be Rapture. Oh, this is hard. And honestly, I can see myself sitting in the back of my mother's Buick Century while she was playing this tape. Specific, yes. But, oh, okay. Composition? Is that your final answer? Yes. Was it Rapture? No, it's actually giving you the best that I got. It's, it, it, is that an album title? It is the album. I know. It's it's always confusing when the single is the album title. It's it's always confusing. But yeah, it I was. just I really felt you were setting me up. I just couldn't let that be the answer. Right. Right. I'm gonna talk to my therapist about that. <laughs> You're like, I know that the I know it seems like it'd be right, but no, that's too obvious. Right. The obvious thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not accepting the obvious. It's a setup. Anyway. Mm. Number three. Where did Eminem come up with his nickname, Slim Shady? Was it in the middle of a freestyle battle? Was it on eight mile road? <laughs> Your face. You said, mm. um, or was it on the toilet? The third one is hilarious. So it's the one I want to go with. Uh huh. I'm going with number one. You're going with in the middle of a freestyle battle? Yeah. I'm just going to, this is my reaction to that. And then the response in terms of correct or incorrect is. <sighs> I know, dang. So this is, this was hard. I had to research this naturally, but apparently he was sitting on the toilet when he got the idea for Slim Shady. He was just sitting there. I mean, that's where some of the best ideas had in the shower or in the toilet. Trust. You got to trust humor. Yeah. You have to trust humor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And it was the funny answer. It I should have went with answer. the funny answer. And you said, you kind of were like, I want to say that. Yeah. 
more to talk about in therapy. I understand. I mean, the woman will stay paid. She's not losing her job anytime soon. That's another conversation. <laughs> All right. Number four, true or false? The Detroit Lions have only ever won one Super Bowl. So this could be, this is a hard question to answer because mm -hmm. I don't think it was called the, whenever they, was it called the Super Bowl at that time? There's something weird about their Super Bowl win where it's not like a true Super Bowl win or something. Mm -hmm. So I'm going with, uh, yes, but then no. Sort of, kind of. <laughs> I'm going to accept that as a false and just mostly so that you get a correct. Thank you. See, I, it was like not a real Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. They, they've never won the Super Bowl. Right. So yes. whatever they won in that game that maybe some people thought was a Super Bowl, it wasn't the Super Bowl. I know. I know. That, and also, this was painful. So thanks. <laughs> we, we didn't need to hear that again. We know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry. Sorry to rub it in the tree. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number five. Which one of the comedy duo, Key and Peele, is originally from Detroit? Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean. You look like you knew it right away so, and then something happened. I did. But then I always remember I don't know the difference between Key and Peele. Oh. I mean, I know the difference. Like, I clearly know the difference. But, like. You just don't know which one is Key and which one is Peele? So, I think it's Key that's from Detroit. Right? Uh -huh. Yes, that is that is right. Correct. Who owns Planet and Theater in Hamtramck? Yes. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yes. So the, yes, it is Keegan Michael Key, and I love I, in my research I saw that he performed at that theater, but it is probably right that he now owns that theater because I mean, why not? He's been making money. Why not? Right. <laughs> he's been making money. Yeah, he should um, hire me come do comedy things at the theater. Yes, he absolutely, Keegan, Michael Key, come on and hire Candace. What you waiting for? Mm -hmm. And then, and hire me too. And I'll spend some time in Detroit because I need to. That's right. And Detroit is wonderful. People should always be spending time in Detroit. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of spending time in Detroit, which Detroit hotel was the tallest in the world when it was built? Oh yeah, I know this. Ooh. It's the Renaissance Center. I, I don't know if that's, it's the Westin, I mean. Well, okay, these are the options that I had. Oh, okay. But, you know, they're different, t time has moved. So sure, sure. this was during that time. All right, so these are the options I have. Book Cadillac Hotel. Okay, okay. Detroit Foundation Hotel or Modi, okay. Motor City Casino Hotel. All right, you know. I see what you all are doing here. And so at the time that it was built. Yes, at the time it was built. It's the, then it's the Book Cadillac. Yes. Yeah. Now, what was the hotel that you were talking about? Uh... So the Renaissance Center is not just a hotel. It's a building. It's now GM's headquarters. It was, it, that's a, mm. let's call it recent, but like in the last 10 years, I don't know how time works. I'm no time scientist, but um, <laughs> so it was the tallest building in the world when it was built. It was a tall building. It's a very tall building. It like I building. live miles, <laughs> like 10 miles from that building. And on a clear day, I can see it from my main um, strip. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. I'm learning more about Detroit. Mm -hmm. Which of these films was set in Detroit? And there's more than one that I'm about to list was set, set in Detroit. So which of these films was set in Detroit? Mm -hmm. Magic Mike, Dream Girls, Beverly Hills Cop, When Harry Met Sally, or The Nutty Professor? Sure. 
So I okay. was a production assistant on the Dream Girls <laughs> production when it, when it filmed here. <laughs> it fancy. Yeah. Um, so that was filmed here partially. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and the other answer is Beverly Hills Cop, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. But I feel like, where does it? Oh, probably Las Vegas. Because it's about strippers. Las Vegas. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And male strippers. That's really a Vegas thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd throw that in there. I appreciated it. <laughs> well, thank you. You you did pretty well. I think you got, out of seven, you got, I think, f- <laughs> four. At least four. At least four. At least five. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, mm hmm. <laughs> um, but thank you for playing along. You will get uh, the 180 podcast mug, the 180 with Eric Lockley mug as a prize. Thank you for playing. And um, we hope and we encourage the listeners to go online and purchase their mugs if they want or follow. Get us, get with us on Patreon so that you can get a reward and a perk of getting a mug with the mm-hmm. 180 and my mm-hmm. face somewhere on the mug because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. entertaining too. So now we're going to get to know you. We've gotten to know you through some trivia and we're going to get to know you by me asking some questions about what are some of your favorite things? What food do you love that a lot of people might find a little odd? Oh, that they might find odd. Mm-hmm. interesting i mean odd i don't uh-huh. know i don't know if i eat anything that i think is odd okay now i will say this i did found a group called ladies who pizza it is a social club for women to eat pizza outside the male gaze <laughs> <laughs> what's it called again called ladies who pizza ladies it is, who pizza it, is, it has a facebook group with i think nearly 400 members now or something like that. that's a lot let me tell you something it started as a full-out joke uh-huh. and it has like we have actual in-person meetups like it's a real thing now we've been on the news <laughs> <What>? <laughs> well there you go media and journalism you know you can get yourself on the news for eating pizza as a lady <laughs> anything if you put your mind to it and so i definitely am willing to try odd ingredients on a pizza because i feel like i have to Mm. because of this group so i've had like coney island pizzas which in detroit the coney dog is like our national food it's our it's our city food right so that's a hot that's like a hot dog hot dog with chili and cheese on it but it's a very particular type Mm -hmm. of chili i mean be very clear about that it's the coney chili right um, I've had that as a mm-hmm. pizza, which also had mustard on it. Yuck! And you know what? It wasn't bad. <laughs> really? I'd eat it again. You would eat it again. Wow. You can only eat one slice though, because it's heavy. I believe that. It is like, once you've eaten it, you know it's in you. <laughs> there are no questions. It is. You're aware. There are no questions. It's inside of you. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weight has been added. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to encourage people to look up the Facebook group, Ladies Who Pizza. Is that? Yes. Ladies yes. If you identify as a woman. Yes. There you go. Then this group is for you. And if you, oh, and also you have to be in Detroit. It is a regional thing. Right. Okay. It is a regional thing. But who knows? This might be the impetus for <laughs> national. The Cleveland chapter. <laughs> right. Right. Of Ladies Who Cha- Pizza. Many chapters. <laughs> yes. Um. 
what is the clever or funniest use of advertising that you've seen? Whether that's a Geico commercial, but is there some? Oh, yeah. I actually just saw something recently. Um, it is, I think it is Geico, actually. It's the whoop, there it is, Geico commercial. Uh-huh. Listen, I'm a child of the 90s. <laughs> right. They were speaking to my soul. Like, I felt like the one, like, it's a woman, she's a mom, right? She's in her kitchen, and the guys from whoop, there it is, are all of a sudden in her kitchen, and I'm like, yeah, she's excited. She's living her childhood dreams. Right. She's living all our childhood dreams right now. Shaka laka shaka laka shaka laka shaka. Yeah. Yes. So and they like it's remixed for I think it's like about ice cream or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I deeply enjoy it. And I yeah. So the part of me that's starting to see like '90s catchy hip hop become mm-hmm. advertising as what happens to music, right? Right. Is sad, but also like. I think they need that money. So I'm happy to see those brothers in that commercial. Right. Right? Like, yes. Yeah. Make that money. Yeah. Those, 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 they're getting paid and their name is being put back into the cultural moment. It, it's, it's great. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And we remember, you know, all these folks who, you know, had some role in our lives. That was a big song that summer. Yes, for sure. Yeah, my biker shorts and I enjoyed that summer. <laughs> and I'll say Geico has been doing this type of like viral moment advertising for so long where it was like, this might not make sense, but it's going to get people talking. And it's like now everybody's doing it. Now it's the thing. It's like, OK, we just got to get people talking so that they remember us. But Geico was doing it like has been doing it for so long. Yep, exactly. They have been about this life, truly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, can you describe your most used GIF? <laughs> uh, well, it's the one that the, um, what do you call those people? Gen Z said I couldn't use anymore. Uh-oh. Why did they say you couldn't use it? It's the crying emoji. What's happening? What's happening in it? The, like laughing, crying emoji GIF. Oh, okay. You know, they, they said that it's, played out we don't use that anymore really oh i didn't know that now but that's an emoji oh you said get see yeah yeah i'm 40 i don't know the difference anymore. <laughs> you do i turned 40 in january and all of a sudden all sorts of things just left my brain really and i have a, a real fondness for dinner at 4 30 all of a sudden no um so <laughs> well you don't you don't look 40 but you you, you know the difference you know the difference you better it's say true. that word. Hallelujah. Hey. Yeah, my dermatologist and I are working very hard on that. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so my favorite gift, I am going to pull it up um, mm-hmm. because I know it's right here because I use it yes. all the time. So it's between two things. Okay. It is the picture of the woman holding the mug that says, help, and she does this. <laughs> I know the audience is like, well, we can't see what you just did. So I just leaned over and put my hand on my chin and she's still smiling and she's beautiful, but you can tell she's in crisis. Right. That's me. And that mug, that mug has the message. Hell. She is clenching that mug for dear life because things are falling apart for that woman. And I know the feeling. (laughs) Um, And then, then, of course, the fiery room um, gift. Oh, yes. This is all fine. We're fine. With with the dog? That dog. The dog like sitting in the fire. Yes. In a burning room. That dog understands what's <laughs> happening in the world. It's just like, it's all on fire. And we're, I'm just going to sit here. I'm It'll just here. 
I'm yeah. just here. Yeah. Nothing so I don't get fined. <laughs> well, this is we are learning a lot about Miss Candace Fortman right now. Right now, somewhere by uh, my coworker is like, I wish she would stop talking out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know, keep it to yourself. Just keep it to yourself. Something. So. Um, now, as we get to know you and your journey, where do you think your passion for journalism came from? Oh, um, it, I think it was there all along in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. I think that unlike some people who had a really clear idea that they wanted to work at a newspaper and so they worked for their school, their high school newspaper, and then they went to college and they majored in journalism. I did not take that path. Mm. I knew I wanted to work in media. I did not have a, a clear understanding of what that was going to mean for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So as a child, it meant I wanted to be Oprah. <laughs> I just wanted to be Oprah. But unfortunately, in order to be Oprah, one of the, the, the magical things about Oprah is that she believes deeply in her talent mm. and in herself. Mm-hmm. For too many of us, we had to, to work a lot harder to get to that place, right? And I'm not saying that she didn't in, in, in any way. Yeah. And so as a kid, I just knew I wanted to work in media. So I did a lot of things that were adjacent to that, a lot of public speaking. I was definitely the kid at church that did the church announcements on Children's Church Sunday on Fifth Sunday. I was totally that kid. Oh, sign me up. Yes. (laughs) Now, at that point, let's say you were eight years old. Did you feel like I want to be in media or did you just say I like talking to people? Like how specific were you at that point? No, I want to be on television. I want to be Oprah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was nice. Oprah yeah, yeah. or nothing. And then unfortunately, as life does over time, you get beaten down by little insecurities that start to manifest into large insecurities. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then people start to tell you, oh, well, you should do this. This is really where your skill sets lie. Mm-hmm. Right. This is where you're going to make money, um, you know, and those sorts of things. And so uh, I, you know, in college, I majored in public relations. The thing that, so oops, I think I'm going too far into this. No, no, good, good. Okay. So the thing, looking back now, hindsight is a beautiful thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I should have, after a year, left that college and gone somewhere and majored in mass media. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. At the school I went to, um, public relations was a business school. Oh, okay. And so I took a bunch of statistics classes and econ classes and finance classes when really, one, I can't do math. (laughs) I cannot do math. My mother was a tax accountant. I cannot do math. Wow. My mother's an accountant too. But no, I I understand. I was like doing a little uh, division game (laughs) yesterday to be like, I should work on my brain. And it was sad. It, it said a few things. That? Exactly. And I said, geez, eight-year-olds know this, and I do not. <laughs> I will totally go get those flashcards because I need them. Yes. Like those multiplication flashcards, yes. I need them. I'm done. That's out of my brain. <laughs> it has left. And once, once the fractions, once fractions show up, I said, no. Who thought this was a good idea? If I see a fraction, I, I lose it. That's, you know what I'm doing? I'm in Google in the search bar saying one half of two and that's sad (laughs) 
It's real. I run an entire organization. I, that's not something I should talk about. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> to all of our funders, I'm very good at math. Um, there you go. Amen. Yeah. Very I'm, good well, let me math. tell you something. I am good at money. Hey. Money is not math. That's right. Money is money. And I understand money. Mm -hmm. So anyhow. And so, getting more of it. Hallelujah. Every day. Every yes. day. Abundance over lack. Always. Abundance over lack. Yes, that's a word. It is on my whiteboard right here. I say it to myself every single day. Yes. Abundance over lack. Message. Abundance over lack. That's a message. Okay. Speaking of abundance, my plumber has randomly showed up to my house right now. <laughs> Home take, improvement. To, to take my abundance away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Rob me of my abundance. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm like at college and I wish I would have had the internal mechanism it would have taken to say you don't have to stay in a situation that's no longer serving you mm, yeah that's important just because you started this path doesn't mean you have to finish this path mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that is because my grandparents were so proud my mom was so proud they had dropped me off at college with a u-haul they had they got their 90s teenage comedy ending out of my life they were like we did that <laughs> yes. look at her go in there with our dorm room furniture <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was, and you know, and it's like, okay, well, I'll just stay here and I'll just do this, even if it is not working for mm. me. Um, and so I did, I stayed and I was super involved on campus and I, I did as much as I could. Um, but it just never, I knew it wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I knew I wasn't mm. majoring in the thing I should have been majoring in. And I was not taking a risk on my talent. Ooh, 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 that's a word. Message. Not taking a risk on your talent. Would you say that you just were struggling to find that courage, that confidence, you weren't brave enough, or were you just in the wrong place? Or is it all of that? It was all, all of, of it. That. It was mm -hmm. all of it. And my university is wonderful. And I, if they're listening, I love you all. Um, yeah. But it was not, and I won't say it's not because your path is your path, right? I am not mm -hmm. unhappy with how my path unfolded. It unfolded the long, hard way. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned a lot of things in between because I didn't go from university to an internship in journalism straight into a newsroom. Yeah. I had a lot of time in between that to learn a lot of things that had nothing to do with journalism at all that informed me every single day. Yeah. Now that I'm here. And I still yes. got here. Absolutely. Right? By God, mm -hmm. I got here. So, um, so yeah, so anyhow, I go there, <laughs> go to, <laughs> yes, you got there. Amen. So, um, so, you know, I leave after I, I leave the university, I come home and I say, okay, I'm going to try this one more time because I know that I've gone and gotten this public relations degree that I'm so like yeah, half halfway into. Yeah. And so you got the degree. You didn't leave yeah. as in, I, you know walking away from it you got the degree and now that's over and then and then you're deciding what's next right so i spend a year working at the university as an americorps vista volunteer and helping to build a um mm. department in the sociology department of the university that would do research work for the community surrounding the university particularly in idlewild which is a historic black um, community in Michigan, mm -hmm. because that speaks to sort of my love of community, which is a through line for me. Yeah. My mother was black club president my entire life, basically. Like I, wow, it, it is ingrained in me that we serve and, community. 
Yes. I, I love you said black club president because that seems president of the black club. Was it that inclusive? Black? It was just all black? black? Let me say black. Oh, black. Club. No, I'm so sorry. Black <laughs> I club. I said black. I said, all right, she's just president of the black club. <laughs> black. I'm sorry. No, she was not president of a black club, though. Fair enough. This is Detroit. So it was mostly black. I mean, yeah. It was, you know the city's 80 percent black um so and our our neighborhood was fully black um yeah and so no so my mom was president of the block club um and so you know there has always been a layer of service in my Mm, life mm -hmm. Uh, you don't get around your mother being president of block club without you doing some block club work yourself so Mm -hmm. actually one of the very first things like publications i ever wrote was we got a computer we got probably the first computer on the block. And my mother said, you can make a flyer on that computer, figure out how to do it and pull, put together a little flyer to let the people know that the trash, the, the trash day was changing. I yes. realized now my mother, one was the editor who was telling me to write a newsletter to Ooh. inform my community about a change that was happening. Ooh, yes. Right, right. Right. Like I've made that connection since. And we did a whole lot of other (laughs) flyers, Mm -hmm. right? That were basically newsletters to help people understand how to navigate the city. Because for a lot of our neighbors, they were in crisis. Um, They were dealing with closing auto plants. They were dealing with, um, at that point, which was the impossible impact of drugs Mm. on Detroit in the um, 80s and 90s. And people needed good information in order to survive and my mom was like a conduit right like Mm. she just was good at getting information out of the city council out of the mayor she was the kind of person who didn't care that you were the mayor or the city council person answer my question Uh and so (laughs) um i wish i had more of that in me quite honestly (laughs) uh truly and so yeah so you know i feel like in some ways i wasn't doing journalism but i've always been a part of an information system. Yeah. Information has always mattered to me and disseminating that information to people who need it most matters to me above all. Right. Oh, and you, I think it's really interesting when you, we think about culture and the ways in which um, it's communicated that, you know, you're worthy or you're professional. And when I hear, you know, you discussed I would do the church announcements or like my mother be like, go off and create the flyer and we're going to post it. it absolutely that is. is, that is experience. That's real experience. And that's um, something that in the, in the quote unquote workplace in the professional environment, someone might not see as experience and that's mm-hmm. problematic. And that's, I think, you know, something that we're continuing to have more conversations about in this day and age. But I think, you know, 10 years before, if, if you were applying for a job and you're like, well, I made flyers for my church or but people like, oh, okay, well, that's not considered. Cute. Right. That's cute. But it's like, no, that is work. And that is getting, communicating information to a community effectively or not. You know what I mean? But that is a work experience. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And I, and I, Mm-hmm. I know for sure that those things inform me today, right? So when I was in high school, we staged a protest because our principal wouldn't let us wear head wraps. It was the Erica Badu era. Ooh, and she a protest. Yes. And so she would let us wear uh, wear head wraps. And so I was on the debate team in high school. Mm. And 
I remember like formulating my little speech I was going to give her uh-huh. in a uh, home. Um, we went in her office to meet with her. And I think about now how I go into rooms with people who are sort of sitting across the table from me and telling me what I can't have, what outlier is not worthy of, what we're not mm. prepared for. I'm, I've been arguing the same thing my whole life, right? That yeah. there is value in difference. There is value in, um, in being an individual and doing things differently than everybody else. And um, all of those things are just stepping stones, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you've had to give announcements in front of the mother's board, you can certainly speak to a foundation board. It's the same difference. Yeah. They're yeah. just like a mother's board, quite honestly. <laughs> Judgy. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Probably have strong opinions. But... Strong opinions. You can't make you, your slip can't show, right? <laughs> right, right. Literally and non. So, <laughs> so yeah. So you know, all these yes. things inform us if we let yeah. if we allow them to inform us, and we don't hide from our path or from mm. our our past, right? If we accept that whatever our past looked like, regardless of whether it's shiny and beautiful. Um, or not, it has value. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. And such a great reminder. Considering that, um, did you mention that your mother was a tax or yeah, was a tax accountant? Mm -hmm. Did you find that other people in your life may have been mentors or people for you to look up to within the field of media or journalism? Yes, sort of. Uh Um, I feel like I kept and why I ended up majoring in public relations is because I kept meeting young, incredible black women who um, were PR people. Right. So I met this young woman who at the time was doing PR for the Detroit Pistons. Right. And she took an interest in me. Mm -hmm. And so you're really just trying to find like, okay, well, this this looks like something I could be right. She's living a good life. Okay, I can go down that path. So it wasn't that. I wasn't being exposed to incredible people with marketing and communications backgrounds, but I wasn't unfortunately able to connect with someone who uh, took the path I really was ready to take. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, right? Like I still got to where I was trying to get to and and I'm still getting there. Like I still got a lot of work to do, but (laughs) those early folks, those mentors, those young women were so important in helping me realize that of course I can be whatever I want mm. to be, right? That's the beautiful part about growing up in Detroit, especially growing up in Detroit at that time, like in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. is that there were so, everybody's black, mm. right? <laughs> so the judge is black. Right, right. The, you know, doctors are black. Yeah. PR folks are black. The journalists are black. And I had no, there was nothing stopping me from thinking that I, could do something yes maybe not the extreme dream right because that's another thing but i knew that college it never occurred to me that i wasn't going to college Mm -hmm. i was going to college yeah you were able to see people who looked like you do a range of things absolutely absolutely i watched my mother start three different businesses she did my mother went to college she never finished but i watched her start a catering company when that didn't work she said okay well i'm gonna start a cell phone and pager company in our basement what? my grandfather yeah. what we had a cell phone and pager company now you gotta and remember this, this must have been in the 90s absolutely <laughs> a cell phone and pager company what did they do she 
started contracts like it was wow. it was like whatever the cell phone company was at that time they don't exist anymore of course yeah um but like people would come and like get cell phones and pages from my mom like they got contracts I love it. she had a relationship with some um a larger company in mm-hmm. like dearborn and she did she was like a a side contractor for that uh-huh. and my grandfather built out the store in the basement wow. like there was like a real little storefront that's awesome yeah Ugh. and so right there was the washing machine and the dryer and over here was the cell phone and pager store <laughs> uh- <laughs> yes and then what now i have to find out what the third business was the tax accounting. <laughs> the tax accounting. There you go. And that was the thing that lasted. That was the thing. Yeah. She was incredible. She was always a brilliant math mind. Her mm-hmm. and my grandfather shared that in common. Um, and so when she started, she started that. That's what she was. She passed away in, in 2008. Mm-hmm. But that's what she was doing when she passed away. As a matter of fact, she passed away on April 1st, wow. which was quite difficult for yeah. the daughter of an only child because it's tax season. Oh, so I would call people and say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry to let you know, you know, my mother's passed away. And they would say, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. You know, I hadn't gotten my check yet. Do you think she's going to be? <laughs> oh, gosh. Are you going to oh, be able to so give me my, my check? Well, we're going to see. We're going right. to we're going to work on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a that's an awkward conversation. <laughs> that's they a whole like, other podcast. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. Uh huh. Wow. Uh huh. Yeah, April for and I mean honestly, one of the things I thought you were gonna say because April first. Oh, they April did that Fool's too. Day. No, they did that too. Yeah, a lot of people said, "Oh, Candace, this is not a funny joke." Not Ooh. joking. Right. Ooh, I, wish, I wish it was. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> it was a really rough day for the girl. Ooh, you could have a whole comedy routine, <laughs> a short film, a feature film. You could have a lot just from that. Oh, trust oh, my me. God, I did. I I talked about this on like a a moth-esque like mm-hmm. stage thing and um people laughed uncomfortably and that made me happy yeah because I mean, it's funny right yeah there's also a story from her funeral where martha reeves of the mm-hmm. martha reeves and the vandellas yes starts singing <laughs> i got a lot of stories oh i love it i love it because i mean funerals and weddings are two places where the things that people decide they're going to do can be just so over the top. The best and the worst of humanity right. lives inside of funerals and weddings. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was the best of times. It was the worst and of times. The worst of times. Yes. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm I'm very grateful for all this humor in the midst of April first. Wow. Oh, um, she would have it no other way. She would that, have it beautiful. no other way. Truly. Yeah. yeah. And what has been one of the things that's really challenged you um, working in media, e- either just in general, based on your experience, based on being a black woman? What's been some things that have challenged you? I think even when I was working, so I started my career in media, working in commercial radio. Mm-hmm. And a through line I have seen is how we treat audiences differently. I, that's mm-hmm. a through line from me. Yeah commercial radio to journalism, this is true. Um, We have decided what we're going to feed to certain audiences. So when I worked in commercial radio, I was the promotions director for an urban AC station. And then- What what is AC? Sorry, adult contemporary. So Anita Baker, right? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Anita Baker and Kim, 
In case anybody did not know who Kim was but knew that song, <laughs> there you go. And the impression was spot on. I know <laughs> it was very good. Thank you. Um, and so, so I had that station. I also had a top 40 station, right?、Mm-hmm. So at that time, a lot of Kesha, okay, a lot of Rihanna,、okay. a lot. So, right there. So that's that station, right?、Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of David Guetta. Um, mm. A day and so I, and then I also, so I was overworked. This is a theme of this conversation, but <laughs> the third station wow,、uh, three that three I had,、stations. I had three stations, right? And they were all top 10 stations. So、wow. my third station was an、um, adult AC station. So、mm-hmm. not Anita Baker and Kemp, but instead、um, uh, uh, Rod Stewart. And、um, Shania Twain. Okay, but good, good、right? example. Uh huh. Those were the three stations that I managed the promotions for. Okay. So when clients would come in to pitch their year buy, so like these are large clients, right? So、mm-hmm. we're talking about Pepsi or Coke and McDonald's would buy a whole buy across the group of stations, right?、Mm-hmm. I will never forget the moment I knew I was going to leave that job.、Mm. I was sitting in. No, am I going to say this? I was sitting in a pitch for a particular fast food chain.、Mm-hmm. And I got to sit in both pitch sessions. So I got to sit in the, let's call it what it is, the Black Folk Stations pitch, which was、uh-huh. the hip hop station and the urban AC station and the sports station. And then I got to sit in the pitch for the other stations for the top 40 in the AC station. White people.、Uh-huh. Right. And I was the only person in my job role who got to do both because I split my time between these three stations.、Mm-hmm. And when I went in for the AC Top 40 pitch, they wanted to promote their new smoothies, right? So it's all about healthy、um, breakfast, waking up, getting your kids to school, having something nice to eat after you work out, right? So it's all about healthy lifestyles. And we're introducing healthier menu options.、Mm. And then when I went to the Urban AC, which was the very next hour,、mm-hmm. um, it was all about the new thing they were introducing to their menu, which was the big breakfast, which was、mm. pancakes, eggs, sausage, bacon, grits. Right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now, they weren't selling the big breakfast on the other station, you're right, and they weren't selling the smoothie over on this station. Wow, yes, yes, please. It was so egregious, it was so direct, and I knew、yeah. that moment I had to leave that job. Yeah, And I have seen versions of that in every single job I have ever had in media. Not always on the advertising side, sometimes in the editorial side,、mm. sometimes on the membership side, but there is this through line of who gets what, what value lies in what community, right?、Yeah. What we are selling that community, what, are, what, what value we have placed on the lives of the people that we serve,、mm-hmm. or if we place value on their lives at all. Yeah. And that for me has been the most、um, difficult thing to navigate because I come from a community that was treated 
like that big breakfast community. Mm-hmm. That's where I come from. Those are the people that raised me. Those are the people that poured into me. Those are the folks that bought, you know, ads in my dance school, mm-hmm. you know, bulletins. <laughs> yes. You know, I had an opportunity to go to South Africa when I was in um, a senior in, in high school and the trip cost five thousand mm. dollars and they did fish fries and bingo wrap. Oh, they did yes. everything they could. and They raised that five thousand yes. dollars. Right. My community did that. Mm-hmm. And so this community that I know has so much value um, is the exact community that is so often ignored. And when mm-hmm. they're not ignored, they're just fed BS. Yes. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. that's so real and so frustrating to feel like you're a cog in that wheel. Yes, and, very much. And the fact that you were able to be like, let me, let me get out this wheel mm-hmm. or, or, you know, and figure out how to make my own wheel mm-hmm. and, to, you know, try to shift things is, mm-hmm. is really admirable. But then you just become a cog. <laughs> I, I didn't know that yet. That's the next part of the lesson. So yeah. What, so after you left that job, what empowered you to take matters into your own hands and how, how do you continue to do that? It took a long time, right? Because I I still had to work, you know? Mm -hmm. I I shared that my mother passed away. I'm an only child, only grandchild. So Mm. I had to be able to take care of myself, right? Um, My grandmother got sick almost immediately after my mother passed and passed about a year later. Mm. Um, My grandfather moved in with me, passed about a year and a half after that. So it was a like, this was a rough phase of my life, right? Yeah. And I really... Mm had to focus one on healing all of this trauma from grief. Um, so I took a job, I took a job, like literally just a job. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. healthcare benefits, <laughs> let's do that. I won't even gonna tell you what the job was. That's mm-hmm. how insignificant the job was. <laughs> uh, yes, it was a, a job. job yes. And so, and I knew what I was doing, but at that time I was also, that's when I was running the social, I started the social media company. Mm. Right. So I was working a full time job because benefits matter Yes. Um, while running this company at night. And my biggest client is uh, Amphitheater here is was called Shane Park. It's now called the Aretha Franklin Amphitheater. Mm. And they do summertime shows. They do 100 shows in the summer. Wow. In 90 days or something like this. It's a it's a crazy Christ. schedule. And they do big names. Right. Like Diana Ross, Earth, Wind and Fire, mm-hmm. Maxwell, De- like big names. Wow, yeah. And I ran the social media for that amphitheater and a couple of other small businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. It gave me a chance to continue to get my feet, keep my feet in that media door. Right. Because I'm still having to talk to the folks in town. It gave me a new skill set, which was social. I did not know what I was doing. I don't like (laughs) they know this now. It's a family that runs this organization, this company, and they are beautiful people and and they've become family for me. Uh And so I wanted to learn how to do concerts. Yeah. Right. Like I wanted to know how to do the back end. Like I had done concerts working in in commercial radio, but I wanted to know how does booking work? Mm. How do contracts work? How does it to work with an agent? Right. And I said, I will charge you all, I think it was $100 a month to run all of your social media if you will teach me the back end of how to put concerts on. Nice. And they said, okay, right? Right. Um, I realized that was not enough money because there's a lot of work. <laughs> right. Social media is uh, a lot of work. You know, this is 2012, okay, yeah, yeah. I think, right? So it's a little bit different than it is now. Um, but I figured it out. I took a bunch of classes. Mm. I did a bunch of trainings and we figured it out and we grew their social and did all of those great things. And then that 
was at the time where I was trying to get into WDET and eventually did get in um, to go work at Detroit's public radio station. Awesome. Yeah. And is there, I mean, we t we've actually talked about a lot of transitions, but is there a moment or transitional moment that you would consider a 180 where you really started at one place and then things turned around because you turned them around or life said, all right, we turned you around. Um, but yeah, what was that moment for you? I mean, my whole life is 180s, but in particular, <laughs> connected to this conversation. So I'm at I'm working at WDT and things are going well. WDT is an incredible station. Mm. And unlike some of the very public issues that many public radio stations are facing, WDT does not have some of those core issues, right? Mm -hmm. Around diversity and inclusion. But like any place, any workplace, it has some issues, right? Issues, yeah. Especially because it was in a growth place, like really trying to find out how to do great community journalism, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had saw that Pointer had this fellowship for women in digital media. And I wanted to apply. And I looked at the roster of people who had done it before me. And I was like, there's no way in the world they're letting me into this program. Mm -hmm. All of these women have worked for the New York Times and the Washington Post and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And here I am, lowly little Candace, barely in journalism, right? Like in Detroit uh, at the public radio station, like, let me into this program. <laughs> and I didn't really know anything about Pointer because, again, I didn't come into journalism the natural right. way. Right. Yeah, yeah. So literally, I submitted my application after my boss, bless her forever for this, um, sat down with me after work and made me do it the night it was due. Wow. I think I submitted the application at 1157. It was due at 1159. Right, right. And she, you said she sat down and said, she you want to do this. What absolutely. was that conversation like? I'm just... I mean, she was like, you want to do it. Why not apply? All they can say is no. Mm, yes. Which yes. is something I would have said to anybody who like, <laughs> right? Like it's the same yes. thing. I would, but when it's you, it's harder to have those motivational conversations. Yes. You need somebody out. You need somebody's mm -hmm. outside of yourself that can push you and they know when to push you and how to push you. Yes. Message. Message. She and another coworker actually sat down that night with me and helped and like helped me get that thing done. Yeah. And I put it out in the world and went on about my life. And then I found out I got in. Wow. And um, I leave to go to the program about a month later. I fly down to Florida. And when I'm, I was at the airport in Detroit, I had my first anxiety attack ever, like a full anxiety attack. And this is before you were going to go to the mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. I called my best friend and I was like, what I what am I doing? They're going to know I'm a fraud. They're oh, going oh. to know I'm an imposter. Right. Imposter right? syndrome like, is real. Oh, <clears throat> they're going to know. Yeah. And so she was like, you sound crazy. <laughs> you are what best friends say. You're wonderful and incredible. Yes. Get on that plane and leave me alone. And so <laughs> I got on the plane and I got there. And the very first day I walk into the room with all these incredible women who I don't know, who are now some of my dearest friends. And I'm looking around at the name tags and the New York Times and the LA Times and the d -d 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 -dis, right. Mm -hmm. And I got my little WDT name tag there. <laughs> and Katie, who, run, who at the time ran the program, bless her beautiful soul, said the very first thing in her mouth was, how many of you all didn't apply, almost apply for this program because you didn't think you were good enough to be here? Half the room raised their hands. Mm. Those same women from the Washington Post and the New York Times and also didn't feel like they were good enough to be there. 
And for me, that was the 180. Because no matter how much work these women had put in, no matter how good they were at their jobs, no matter how much innovation they had done, they still didn't feel valuable in this industry. Mm. That is not a coincidence. That is a system that tells especially young women of color that Mm. they are not valued here. Right. Unless you can win a Pulitzer or you can get a Peabody or you can. But if Mm. you're just, you know, eh, eh, we don't really have space for you. And so um, it was like that week was the first week I would even call myself a journalist. Like the like that became a conversation. Mm. So they were like, I was like, well, I don't consider myself a journalist. And they were like, well, why not? Do you do the work of journalism? (laughs) You should probably start calling yourself a journalist. Right. (laughs) Right. Girl. And so I left that week so full, Mm. ready to go back and fight for a different contract, for a different title, for a different position in a newsroom. Like I did all of those things when I came back, like immediately. Like I got back on a, yes, like for real. I got back on a Sunday by Tuesday. I had a letter formulated to my boss, like, so some things don't have to change. Right. Yes. And Mm. uh, she was super on board and, but also like had other structural issues she had to deal with in order to be able to make those things happen. And that is when, like during this time, so Sarah Alvarez, who founded Outlier, had um, asked to meet for coffee. Mm. I didn't, you know, I loved Sarah. I had known her work and I was like, cool, let's have coffee. And that was the first time she offered me the ED job of Outlier. Mm. And when she said it, I laughed. You laughed. <laughs> and now, mind you, I just got back from this week of empowerment. Right, and now right. somebody is like, the universe is like, okay, girl, here you go. We right. just told you, say- you that you got it. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. And then somebody says, okay, I want to have some of what you got. And I was like, you're crazy. I No, no, ma'am. I can't mm. run an organization. And I told her no. Oh, you really, you oh, really no, I did? I really told her no. Imposter syndrome is real. Yeah. It yeah. works. It mm. works. Um, and so we go, you know, this is April, maybe April, May, June. I'm still waiting for my raise. I'm still waiting for my title change. I'm going through, like, I'm moving into the newsroom, getting more involved in the production of news. Now we're in November. Things have changed, but they haven't changed enough. Where you're at on your job. Right. And now I'm becoming resentful. Mm. And resentment is a terrible place to exist. It's the place where we have to move. If you're in a relationship of any kind (laughs) and you're dwelling inside of resentment, it's time to go. Message. I want to hang out with you, Candice. I don't know when it's going to happen, but you're great. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have like, I mean, yeah, I have ties to Detroit, but I haven't been there. Oh, you so have to I, come. Yeah, I have an organization called Harlem Nine, and we produced an event called 48 Hours In, dot, dot, dot. Mm. And, and it uh, happens in Harlem, typically. We've done it for 10 years in Harlem. It's a 48-hour play festival. Oh, I want to come to that. Yeah, in 2019, we did it for the first time in Detroit at the Detroit Public Theater. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, yeah. I'm a donor to Detroit Public Theater. I love it. Mm. I mean, my donor, I'm saying it like, well, I've given thousands of dollars to the theater. <laughs> I've given them $50. <laughs> I understand. You're still a donor. Um, but I am a donor. They, they value that. 
I, and I love, 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 love. I miss, I miss theater and music so very much. Yeah. And oh. now Dominique Morceau um, is, I don't remember. I think I want to say artistic director. Our pride. Yes, she yeah. is. Our yes. pride and joy. Yes. And she was, she was a part of the first year of 48 Hours in Harlem. Oh, wonderful. You have to come. Yeah, exactly. I think in 2022, we're going to do it again, um, 48 Hours in Detroit. Well, I'm and there. So I got to come and show up and we can hang out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So fun. Um, okay. So in terms of the story, we were yes. where you were just about, you determined you, you were growing resentful of the place where you were mm-hmm. and you... Mm-hmm. A few weeks before, even months before, I had sat down mm-hmm. with uh, a woman from Outlier who offered you a job. Yes, she did. She... Executive director job. Is that right? Right. Oh, she said her exact words. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? No, I can't do that. Girl, go find somebody with the pedigree to do these things. Right. To go raise money and, and whatever. Uh-huh. And so and, and that. Let me tell you something. You don't know what you can do until you till you do it, until you try. Mm, yeah. There are a lot yes. of things inside of ourselves that we don't understand are sitting under the surface because we aren't trying. I just gotta hit it. hallelujah. You <laughs> don't know what you can do we until don't know. you try. Go mm-hmm. after it. Please yeah. do. It's now November and we get stuck on a train together in Chicago. They're like literally stuck. There has been an accident on the train and we were on the train for about an hour and a half, two hours. And they were like, look, this probably gonna be another four hours before we can get this train headed in the direction towards Detroit. If you get off, we will refund your trip, get you booked on a trip uh, or, you know, a train tomorrow morning. And you can, and if you want to, you can stay here in the city. We looked at each other and said, "Eh, hey, let's stay in the city. What's another night, right? And on the train, we had been talking about this job, right? And like her vision for Outlier. And I had gotten to a place where I just understood more for myself what I wanted my talents to do in journalism. Mm-hmm. Before I just wanted to be here. Yeah. Right? I just wanted it to be in the door. And now I had enough information and enough understanding that I needed to know what I wanted my talents to do. Mm. And so um, we talked and talked, we went to dinner. And by the time we were done with dinner, I knew I was going to accept the job. And so we started, she said, I will send you a job description on Monday. (laughs) And Sarah is, when Sarah says she's going to send you something on Monday, you're probably getting on Saturday. (laughs) That's who she is as a person. She's that, yes. She's incredible. She really is incredible. She sent me the job description and I was like, I don't know about the executive director. That's just too much. Still, see, still pushing back. Still, right. Yes. So let's call it like, um, what did that, what was it called? Community engagement, chief, oh, chief of engage, the chief engagement officer, which was CEO, by the way. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> what? When you said that, did you realize that? I did. <laughs> I just didn't want to, you know, my, one of my friends is always telling me, you know, you wear the crown, but you always want to put the crown down. Mm, mm. Wear it. It's yours. You earned it. Oof. 
So um, it is. And she she's she's full of words. She's a good one. That's a word. Um, and so, you know, I a lot of stuff happened in between that and me starting in February of 2020, 19, mm-hmm. 19. Um, <laughs> but I started and. Eric, nothing has changed my life professionally more than this job. Hmm. It is the most rewarding job I might ever have. It has pushed me and challenged me and grew me up in ways that nothing else has. I believe in our work so much and the mission of this organization um, more than I believed in really any other thing. And so it is a beautiful place to be. And I get to every single day build a journalism organization that does the work of really informing communities directly in a city that I love more than any other place on earth that raised me, right? That same city that got that little girl to South Africa is now the Mm -hmm. city I get to make sure has a journalism organization that is meeting its most urgent information. For me, that's full circle, right? From being a little girl, doing the flyers for her mom on, you know, Microsoft 98. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> um, probably like a brother computer or something like that at that point. Um, to Using paint and clip art and all types of stuff. Every piece of clip art I could find. Okay. Those yes. things were heavy on the clip art, right? <laughs> Every trash can in Clip Art was on that flyer about the trash cans. All of them. All of them. I really wanted to push the point forward. Yeah, I'm not a graphic artist. Let's be clear about that. So this is like a mission job for me. This is much different than a a job. This is not a job. Mm -hmm. It is a passion. My first job was just making sure Outlier was secure enough to make it another year. Mm -hmm. Like this was not an organ. I didn't walk into an organization with money in the bank. Mm -hmm. I walked into an organization that needed money in the bank. We had to go through a lot of growing pains to one, believe in ourselves enough, the two of us, that we could build a organization. We tried all sorts of things. And now we're at a place where we have a clear vision of what the future of this organization will look like. We have a clear route to funding. Um, We are building a really beautiful membership um, base that looks like the people we serve. Mm because that's who we want as members and we're doing we're being innovative and we're trying new things and we're failing and we're learning from our failures and we're growing our team we're about to hire a managing editor and I'm just I sit back sometimes and I'm like wow you didn't want to get on that plane you didn't think you were good enough to get on that plane. it's almost tear like makes me want to tear up yeah like you didn't think you were good enough to get on that plane and now you know so there you go. Oh, that's so beautiful. Just to to consider the moment of yeah, you weren't you weren't about to apply. You said, "Who am I?" Who am I? To, <laughs> who am I? To, and it's it's always amazing. Like the why not you? Why not? Why could this? Why are you so doubtful that you're deserving? Yeah, yeah it's it's just powerful, and we need those reminders so often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there's never <laughs> there are never enough reminders of. You are here for a reason. You are deserving. You are worthy. You've earned it um, because so much of society and so much of our experience can point us in the other direction mm-hmm. of, no, you're not ready. Wait, <laughs> think about it some more. Yeah, think about <laughs> you know? And How many people are never thinking about that? Right. They just go. Yeah. They aren't thinking about 
resume good enough. It never even occurs to them to have those conversations. And of course, that's the sort of insidiousness of sexism and racism and all sorts Mm -hmm. of isms that creep into our heads in ways that we aren't understanding that we're manifesting into our thoughts every day, right? Like every single day, we're letting those little punches that have come to us over time um, form our thoughts about ourselves and, and tell us what our value is in the world. And it's why I am so transparent about my journey. I think a lot of people would tell me to hide all of this sort of like um, uh, disbelief in myself. And it is the opposite of what I choose to do, because there is someone like Candace who doesn't think that she should be doing whatever it is she wants to do. And I don't want her to believe that about herself. And I want to get to her when she's 25, not when she's 35. Right, right, right. Like I was. Right. And I also think that we are coming into a space where leadership has to be about more than the bottom line about bringing money into the door. And I can do that. I'm very good at doing that. Leadership needs to be about having a real connection with people, right? So they really believe in you and they really can trust you and that they also are, um, that you're open enough with them that they can come to you when you are not what you said you are supposed to be, right? When you're not Mm, doing the things mm -hmm. you're supposed to be, where you can be checked right? Where you can, as the old folks would say, your slip is showing, right? (laughs) Um, I want my staff to be able to tell me that my slip is showing. And so, um, but that is about you being open and honest and vulnerable with your team. Daring greatly. I think of the Brene Brown book and her discussions about vulnerability. Yes. It's like, I stand that woman. Um, I mean, Brene Brown, like reading Brene Brown is what changed my entire concept of leadership. It changed everything about what I, what I think a leader should be. And if I don't align with sort of like the, um, I the, like the Harvard, Harvard business school ideal of leadership, I'm okay with that. Mm. Right. I'm, I'm a hundred percent okay with that because I know the team we are building doesn't need that. The people that we're serving don't need that. They've had that. And guess what? They still live in an information desert. Well, okay. I'm going to transition to this quote that is absolutely relevant to what we've been discussing. So the secret of flight is this. You have to do it immediately before your body realizes it is defying the laws. Well, yeah. Mm. Right? Yeah. If you sit back and you think about all the things they will paralyze you. Fear is a powerful, powerful drug. Mm. If you allow fear to take over your mind and your body will do its job, right? It's like water. It fills you immediately. If it gets in, it gets into every crevice. You got to jump. You got to take the leap and you got to trust that everything you have learned over time, that your village, the people who love you and care for you, are all going to be there with nets under you, right? Because there are going to be times when you lose altitude (laughs) during a journey. You just will, Mm -hmm. but you will not hit the ground. You won't. And even if you do, there'll be there people there to catch you. Yes. Uh, Just gems, words. (laughs) Message. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Candice, for being here. 
this has really been powerful listening to your journey and you getting to share in a truly vulnerable way how, the challenges that you face, the triumphs you, you've had, and your way of thinking and the way of uh, building confidence in who you are and who you seek to be. How do people stay connected with you? So if you want to connect with me on Twitter and Instagram, they're all the same. It's Candy, C-A-N-D-E. 313, which is the area code for Detroit. Hey. <laughs> so Candy 313. And then I don't have a website that works because my, <laughs> as you've okay. seen during this audio recording, my internet isn't strong enough for me to build a website. Oh no. No, I mean, it is. I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, w- folks can check out Outlier. Absolutely. Please. Outliermedia.org. We're actually in the process of building a fancy new website. So in a couple of months, it's going to be gorgeous. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, Candice. It's been such a joy having you here. And I know, I know that the listeners uh, are going to leave inspired and invigorated and empowered. Uh, thanks to your story. So thank you. Wow, well, it was a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you all for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatman with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly. And digital portraits by Byron McRae. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. We need your help to spread the love and inspiration. Follow us on all social media at The180Pod and visit our website at www.the180pod.com. If you want to help support these stories, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. You can get access to chat more with me. You can also get exclusive content, merchandise, and you can hear episodes early. Visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the180pod. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed. Know that you'll have a blessing if you just keep on pressing. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah.